Amy's just a, a head of the game there, aren't you, Amy? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, welcome to another episode. We've got Naha, we've got Ashton, we've got Amy, and we're going to be giving you Queer Eye review of the four seasons plus the We're in Japan, which we've just had a debate is not an actual season, it is a mini series of a series, if that's a thing. Um, yeah, just taking you through um, the show, really. But before we get onto that, I've got to talk to you guys about a recent show. So obviously we're in quarantine mm. and mm-hmm. anything new content that comes out is exciting, more exciting than normal because it's the only thing we have to look forward to. So when Netflix finally released Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, I was so <laughs> excited. And I, I, I said to myself, I'm going to spend the whole of Saturday, seven hours and watch Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What a crock of shit. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. so disappointed. And I'm a Ryan Murphy fan. I don't like admitting that because it sounds like an ugly thing to say. But, yeah, I do love Glee. Everyone knows that I'm a Glee. I still am. It's d- no getting around <laughs> no it. Shame. I listen to the soundtrack no today. And, you know, I like American Horror Story. Screen Queens is okay. The Crime Story. Gianni Versace. I haven't watched Pose yet, and I know I need to. And there's that other one, Vosfodan. Is there another one as well? 9-11? How many are there? 9-11? I didn't know that was a thing. That's, that's another Ryan Murphy show. Huh. He's, he's taking over. And essentially, he has this contract with Netflix where he can do anything he wants for five years. And this is like the first thing. So obviously you had the politician last year, but that was co-produced with Fox, who did Glee and everything else. This is his first thing. And I don't know whether that's why it's gone downhill. Mm. But essentially, Hollywood is about a group of people trying to make it in Hollywood. And they are Darren Chris, who obviously we all know from Glee and Gianni Versace. He's a director and in, he's half Filipino, as he is in real life. And they don't touch on it too much. They basically just say that he's he's able to... What do they call it? It's not hidden. He kind of gets away with it because he is, he doesn't look Filipino. Passing. Which is something, passing, that's what they call it. Um, and he's dating a woman played by Laura Harrier, who is, of course, a black woman and is struggling to get decent roles in Hollywood. And then you have Samara Weaving. I can't tell you much about her character because they didn't write one. <laughs> <laughs> And then you have the guy who played River in The Politician. I'm sorry, I don't have his name. He is going to be an actor, but then his wife is pregnant with twins. So he becomes a gigolo. And then you have this other character, Archie, who is a black man, who is a screenwriter. And he's gay. And then you have Rock Hudson, um, just thrown in there. Then you have Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory, who plays an awful character, it's honestly quite awful. Um, and everything just, I can't, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it just did not, nothing was really wrote out properly. The, the characters weren't really fully developed. The storyline was boring. It was quite sad at times, but not a sadness that you kind of think, okay, this has happened because X, Y, Z. It's like, oh, that's happened and I don't really care. Can we just move on to the next scene? Mm. Um so yeah, I was just really disappointed. And it's, I think it's harder in quarantine. Like, you take it even harder when yeah. something's disappointing <laughs> that you're looking forward to. Oh, that's a shame. So I'm not going to run to watch this one. No, I'd, I'd, I'd do a very slow walk. Mm, okay. Oh, that's cool. I'll leave that on my yeah. list to languish with the rest. <laughs> <laughs> have, you guys, have you guys come across anything that you were really looking forward to in quarantine that's let you down? And mm. I'm not talking about baked banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been o- I've been okay. 
actually okay, surprisingly yeah yeah i'm into it yeah, I'm, right. i've just been hiding from it by re-watching everything i think that's what it i'm doing nice. i'm trying to avoid the disappointment by just watching <laughs> the same shows over and over again which is not healthy either to be fair that is the yeah, secret comfort shows. Shows, so. oh yeah mm-hmm. I saw you rewatching The Office. I think I might have to do that as well, actually. I've not watched it in so long, and watching it again, when the theme tune came on, I was like... Oh. It's like a and happy pace. Yeah, I was like, this this makes me feel so happy now. <laughs> well, it's like Parks and Recreations. They did a, a bonus episode or a yeah. special. I still haven't seen it because you can't watch it anywhere online unless you find a um illegal copy and i really don't understand that like why didn't they just put it on youtube or something yeah that's, yeah. yeah i would have thought it would could, that's bizarre i know it's it's very bizarre mm. but yeah it, it aired in america i think it aired on nbc but yeah mm. over here no no such thing um and then there were a couple of other shows i have never came out last week and now hey you're I gonna really do a- watch that yeah i'm halfway through now neha you're gonna write an article on this but yes. briefly it just Give us a little idea about what what the show's about and how, why you're loving it. Because you did quite like this one, didn't you? I did, yeah, and I was surprised. So I don't always love Mindy Kaling's content. I feel like she... And I don't like saying it because she is Indian, but sometimes I feel like her work is a little performative. Um, okay. She, like, for example, her Indian characters only exclusively seem to date white men. And that's no different in Never Have I Ever. Like, no, it's not really, It's not it? really that different. Um, but yeah, so it tells the story of a 15-year-old um, Indian-American girl. She's South Indian, um, which is cool. Um, and she's dealing with a couple of things that happen in one particular school year. I'm not going to spoil anything. And sort of how she navigates that with her two best friends. Um, she is... So it's like friendship, relationships, family relationships, um, her relationship with her therapist, played by Nisi Nash, which is really cool. Um, and it is surprisingly not as offensive as I thought it would be for something that Mindy Kaling's made, which is really nice. <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of jokes that don't fly. Like, there's this whole thing about um, they are at this sort of uh, this Indian function and they bump into a woman who's been like excommunicated from the Hindu community for marrying a Muslim man and I feel like there was a real there was a opportunity there to make something of it and they didn't and it kind of just they beca- didn't, did no they? And it they became like this bizarre it. little gag Devi the main character she um quips about feeling like an indentured servant because she's been grounded by her family and i'm like no like my great-grandparents were indentured servants it's like not the same um so there are definitely a couple of things that she says that are super tone deaf but it was fun and i cried at the end and i always feel like when i cry it means it's a good thing so i yeah i'd watch it but i'd also be very aware it's still something mindy kaling's made so um we and uh, what, what was the other thing that come on? Oh, and the film, you said there was a film that come on. The half of it? Yes. Oh my God, it is so good. So it's exactly my crack, which is like quiet, gentle, sort of finds its strengths in just that very kind of quiet, pensive um, on stage. And it's, so it's by Alice Wu. And it tells a story of a girl named Ellie Chu, who she and her dad live in a tiny, I think it's a fictional town in the US, and she's the only Chinese American living in that town, so she's obviously dealing with that feeling like an other, not really fitting in with her classmates. And she makes money by writing people's essays for them. And she meets this guy named Paul, who asks whether she, asks her if she can write love letters to this guy, that this girl that he really likes. 
and oh, it's gosh. also a girl that Ellie likes. So it's a really oh, nice, it's a really cute, like, and it's not a love story. I mean, it is because love is sort of the, the overarching theme, but it's not a love story in the way that you would think. Um, it's just very warm and, and is, I think, very much a story about people connecting. Um, okay. And it's it. like my crack. So like Columbus, um, even Moonlight, like the very sort of like slow and pretty. So if anyone's looking for something cute, then I recommend the half of it. That sounds good. It's still weird to me that there's still no new films out in the cinema. Yeah. So we, we literally are relying on streaming services to give us new films. It's it's so strange. I thought there would have been an, an abundance of them, but they, they seem to still... I mean, obviously, they've got streaming schedules and things like that, but it's um, yeah, it's nice when one comes along. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of using this as an opportunity to catch up on films I've yeah. missed. Because when else are we going to get, like, a six-month break from any new releases? Yeah, well, that's kind of the benefit, because a lot of, like, streaming services and, like, subscriptions, they've actually brought out a whole bunch of films they have the rights for. Yeah. So, like, all the films that I missed six months ago, I'm like, oh, oh, I can join these conversations now. Great. (laughs) I like it. And I think Harley Quinn's on Sky Movies now. I think they've released that a bit earlier than they would normally. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah, I think you can pay for it, but, yeah, it is available. So that's I think and I still haven't got Disney Plus. Oh, I do. Yeah, I did literally put do... Star Wars on yesterday early. They released that early as well. Ooh. Yeah, I need to watch it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I think it's because I thought I was going to get through all of my other watch lists like Netflix and Amazon, <laughs> mm. and then go into Disney Plus because I know once I get it, I will be in like a rut where I don't do anything apart from watch Hannah Montana, <laughs> Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> every single disney channel original movie i literally watched camp rock the other day and oh, I, was, no. I watched i watched camp rock and then went straight on to camp rock too i was like gotta do it gotta, gotta watch him i've not watched no them in years, here. but i was watching them thinking these are so bad <laughs> so i know that's the thing i've i don't know if you guys have seen this this trend on twitter now where they're showing old dance routines from films in the noughties and how awful they are so oh, like yeah. on movies <laughs> Uh, is it Save the Last Dance yeah. with Julia Stiles? With that little <laughs> I rewatched that. Oh, yeah. I can't believe how bad that was. But when I watched that as a kid, I thought it was the most amazing dance mm. in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, that is... Uh, it's probably what our children are going to think of High School Musical, <laughs> which is really heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Oh, I still need to rewatch the High School Musicals, actually. That's next yeah. on my list. That's what is Anne Sharpay's adventure thing. That's, that's what it is. I don't think I've seen that one. Is that the one about her dog? I don't, I don't, I don't I think know. So. All yeah. I know is that she, is I that, think I was on the tail end of that hype, and I'm pretty sure it's just her trying to make it in New York. Oh, yeah. Basically, <laughs> reality I mean, slaps her down. <laughs> I think the Disney Channel had like a bit of contract left with Ashley Tisdale, and just thought we've got to make some money here. Yeah, and she probably needed the money. Bless her. <laughs> she has. I really want to rewatch Sweet Life of Zack and Cody because she's in that, isn't she? She is. Yeah. She's so, my friend's doing that. Said she's got to the high school musical years and mm. you can tell it's the high school musical years because suddenly she's not in it as much and all her castmates just keep suddenly appearing in all the random episodes <laughs> yeah. where they've and, got and them on contract extensions get better yeah. she gets a better stylist it's quite funny it's, it's when you see it it's like Hannah Montana you see when Miley Cyrus obviously started having sex but you know i read a really uh, weird article once about this was back when i was obsessed with the disney channel but a lot of people say like why do they dress the kids so weird but the thing is when they're girls and they're playing young teenagers they have to layer them up to hide their curves so you'll see like ashley tisdale miley cyrus selena gomez they're wearing like three tops oh, and it's just trying to hide their curves. yeah 
Yeah, and they'll re- they rarely wear like figure hugging stuff because they're obviously paying fourteen year olds or whatever they're playing. So yeah, that's why they're wearing like a tank top and a vest top and a cardigan and a long sleeve top. Oh, that makes so much sense. I don't know who dressed as Ashley Tisdale when she was on the red carpet for something, and she's got jeans and yes. she's got a skirt over the top of a jean. <laughs> that blue <laughs> skirt. Why was that a thing? Because that was a thing. <laughs> And she and had like handbags. a little like tie around her waist, and I was like, oh no! And just the haircut. She had she had like a mullet for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, you remember the fringe, and it was all choppy, and yeah. I, but at the time, we probably looked at it and was like, oh, she's so cool. Oh, sure, <laughs> more than likely. <laughs> Um, and then just a couple of bits of film news. Um, nothing too mad. Obviously, Taika Waititi is going to be directing a Star Wars film, yeah, which is amazing. I'm just loving how he's just taking over Hollywood. Yeah, I'm loving it. Just so he was co-writing with um, I've forgotten her name. Damn a it. woman. Yeah, a woman. Yeah, that's, that's a start. I think she was involved in 1917 as well. So yeah, because I think someone wrote an article like uh, Taika Waititi teams up with 1917 writer. They were like, you could use her name. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Christy Wilson Carnes or Kearns. Um and then the only other film news I thought we'd touch on is that Tom Cruise has signed on to make a film in space. No, I don't mean in space space, I mean in space space space, as in he's flying to space to make a film. Using what? Elon Musk's SpaceX program, can I just add? Because that's yes. such a reliable program. <laughs> This is Elon Musk who just had a child, and what did he call it? I can't X A A twelve or something. I don't know. It was something weird. I think it was Army. It's pronounced said, what Ashley. happened to the first A one to eleven? Wow. <laughs> oh! Did you say it's pronounced Ashlyn? No, I just made that up. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's that. Of course, Tom Cruise is going to do oh, that. Oh god, isn't he? yeah, he's going to be like Jesus. He's going to break something. Well, he probably <laughs> thinks the Scientology will probably help him when they get up there. Yeah, I was going to say he's probably going to find the aliens, and yeah, he will be the reason we have destruction rained upon us because oh, <laughs> he is not the ambassador we want. That's Tom short, Cruise, man. Elon Musk. It just said it all, really, didn't it? So queer eye. Um, so. I don't know about you guys, when this show first came out, I kind of didn't really vibe with it. I didn't watch it straight away. Um, I don't know why. I just thought that it just it just wasn't my thing. And I saw a lot of people talk about it. And I'm not too sure what actually got me to watch it. Mm. Um, but once I did, I was hooked. And I watched it. I didn't um, watch it straight away either. Yeah. I don't, I don't, do, you, do you know why? Was it just... I don't know. I think I saw it, but I just thought, nah. But then my two gay friends actually told me to watch it. And they were like, honestly, it's so us, you need to watch it. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And then as soon as I watched it, I loved it. I think it was because maybe because it was a remake and I thought, oh, it probably won't last that long. So there's no point investing in it. But wow, how wrong I was. Um, But yeah, when I started watching it, I was just taken away by how it kind of feels like you put this show on and you get a big warm hug. Like it's the most comforting thing in the world sometimes. Mm Um, and I don't know about you guys, but when a new season comes out, I watch it so slowly. <laughs> oh, I'm I just I surprisingly, can't stop it's one of the only shows I binge. Yeah, really. Yeah, and I think that's because it because it's an easy watch. When things are too tough, I'm like, I need to take my time. But because it's so happy, that's I'm like, I give me all the happy. That's a good point, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why. I think I just I literally I think the last season it took me six, six weeks to get through. Because really? I didn't want it. I didn't want it to end. This yeah. is what I do with books. I get to the end of the well, book and I yeah, start reading true. slower. I finished the end of the season. <laughs> I remember just sitting in my bed going, "What?" 
Because I, di- I just didn't keep track of how many episodes yeah. there were. So I was yeah. really left in the lurch where I was like, oh no, there's not more? Oh. <laughs> you get to the end of the credits and the little thing doesn't come up in the corner. Like, yeah, it's like, do you want to like, watch what? this other show? I'm like, you know I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Does like, anyone ever watch that show that comes up oh, when they recommend no. it? I never even no. remember the recommendation. Absolutely not. And when it's a film, I'm like, I'm not ready for a film. <laughs> I've, just watched, I've just watched 10 hours of television. What do you think I am? Um, so, yeah, I've got some favourite episodes of Queer Eye that I want to talk about, and you guys have got some as well, as long as well as some thoughts about the show itself. Obviously, it's not perfect. Um, the people aren't perfect on it, and there's been some controversies throughout the years. It's actually only been on for two, three years. Mm. Mm. It's not been long. 2018 it started. But I think they do that thing where it's like Riverdale, it's like six, six um, series a year or something. Something like that. Um, But yeah, obviously we have Anthony, Tan, Karamo, Bobby and Jonathan. Um, When I first watched the show, my favourite was Jonathan. And then I'm not too sure who my favourite is now. I've kind of got like... I don't know, I I just love them all, except I just don't really love Karamo a lot. (laughs) Don't you? I really... Like, I I find that Karamo's role is really difficult to define and sometimes the way they present him, he feels like a spare part. But yeah. I feel like what he does is really integral. Like I was watching one of them recently and I'm going to forget which season it is. I think it's season three. Um, Yeah, it's the guy whose wedding's coming up. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Robert. Mm. And he's really self-deprecating. And he pulls him into this room and goes, I'm going to play you all the things you just said over the first, like, hour we met you. And... It's just a really simple exercise, but I think for me, he's always that guy who kind of just pulls people out of their heads yeah. and goes, you need to look at yourself like this. Yeah. And it, it does a lot, I think, for sort of starting that change for them. So I like That's him weird. because he does that sort of like, not mindfulness, but he helps put a new perspective on people's lives, which is really lovely maybe maybe that's why like i don't i don't dislike him Mm. at all like i read his book and i think he's a great person i think he's my least favorite because his sections are always like very deep and thoughtful (laughs) and maybe i watch them and i think oh god oh god i need to do this about my own life oh yeah i feel very bobby just show me a wallpaper come on something easy something fun um do you guys have a favorite in particular um i love jonathan okay i thought jonathan was your favorite i just i just think I need him to wake me up every morning, tell me that I'm a queen, and just get on with my day. <laughs> and then go feed a cat together. I think, I think on social media, Jonathan's probably the best one, because he's mm. active all the time, isn't he? Yeah. Well, I think I'm a mixture between Jonathan and Tan. I love Tan. but So, like, I want them two in my life, so he can wake me up and Tan can dress me, and then I'll be fine. Yeah. Tan's one of our own as well, so we have to love mm-hmm. him. Exactly. Yeah. I love, yeah. I think my, yeah, I think I'm a Tan girl, but I also really love Bobby. Yes. Um, Bobby doesn't get a lot of love. I know. Why does friggin' Anthony get 18 minutes of making a guacamole and Bobby has two (laughs) minutes to make a house? Like, what? I know. I'm like, this is the interesting thing. Like, I need tips on how to make my space look better. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to make avocado juice. Uh, Yeah, I can make guacamole, thank you. And it doesn't use sour cream. That was such a random part of the episode when he was like, I thought he was going to teach him how to make a big meal. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to make guacamole. I was like, I know. 
I mean, I can't, yeah, like, it was so bizarre. I mean, I appreciate that that guy probably needs baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, he didn't need 15 minutes yeah, dedicated exactly. to the baby step. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Anthony does get a lot of attention. Funnily enough, though, Anthony was the last person to be cast for the show. Oh, yeah, interesting. He was really the second choice, sure wasn't he? Yeah. Probably because they really weren't sure on him. But the guys, um, it's really funny, actually, reading their books because essentially when they were very early on in the casting process the five of them become very close like that that was very early on so it's just just goes to show how much chemistry works i suppose but yeah anthony i mean he is the pretty boy of the group i do absolutely love him and want to marry him and have his babies if he wants me to (laughs) but i do think sometimes yes they do give him a lot of screen time and poor bobby does these amazing (laughs) things that we don't see enough of. Like you said, like you want to know how to transform your space, especially on a budget. I mean, to be honest, the amount of free shit you get on oh, the yeah. show, I was tempted to call in. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, so one of my favourite episodes I wanted to speak about, first of all, was um, season one, episode four, which is too gay or not too gay. Um, so this is about AJ. He was the civil engineer. And he basically, his big plan was to come out to his stepmother by the end of the week. Um, And he regretted not coming out to his father before he died. Um, This is a really good Karamo episode. And um, again, Anthony teaches him how to make tamales. (laughs) Now you've said it, I just think everything he does is a joke. (laughs) It's so unfortunate because I like Mm. what he cooks, but... Yeah, it's hard. Um, I like this episode because I thought it was about acceptance. It wasn't so much about reinventing your life. It was about actually looking at all the good points of your life and just learning to appreciate those. Um, and I think it's... Um, I like the episodes when the the hero, as they call them, is gay because I think it's really great to do something about acceptance. Um, we do we see so many TV shows and films about coming out of the closet. I mean, even if in I Have Never one of her friends comes out and I actually sat there for I really can't be asked with another coming out story because <laughs> I've seen them so many times it would be just quite nice to watch something now where gay people are involved but we're just seeing their day-to-day mm-hmm. lives and because after the coming out section you've got a whole life ahead of mm. you yeah um so yeah but it was just yeah one of the episodes I quite liked even though he did come out it was also about how his lifestyle was hmm. um kind of thing does anyone remember this episode yeah, I remember that. I mean, I really liked, for me, they had that conversation about how to be gay. Because he was like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm like the straightest gay guy. But it was just because yeah. he wasn't camp. And I felt that, that that's a really big thing, especially with people who don't know a lot of gay people. They do have that preconception of their camp, they're throwing rainbows everywhere. And yeah. it was really nice on a representation scale to have that guy and be like, mm-hmm. you know what, he's perfectly fine, you know. He's just as gay as the rest of us. He doesn't yeah. need to have a, literally a card-carrying membership. <laughs> so I thought that was really nice just to have that conversation. Another one I really liked was season two, episode two, A Decent Proposal. So oh, this yeah. was oh. about <laughs> this was about William. He worked at Walmart and he lived with his girlfriend, Shannon. And he was very socially anxious. And I think that's what I kind of resonated with him about, <laughs> as you all also resonate with him about. Um, but he, it was quite strange because he lived in this house with Shannon, but everything in the house was owned by her ex-husband. Yeah. So oh, it was... And he was a typical geek, bless him, he loved his sci-fi films, he was terrified of 
Shannon breaking his heart, even though he loved her so much. And um, but yeah, it was so weird that they lived in this house and it's full of the ex-husband stuff. Like, yeah. wouldn't you want to like burn that? Oh. Even the bed. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember this one. This is the really one. This one with the cringe proposal at the end. But cringe, yeah, but a, cute. Cringe, but cute. But cringe. Cringe, but yeah. cute. Yeah, so the I big think, moment. Yeah, I think do you remember I do that? Remember. Yeah, so like, is it an outdoor theater? And he yeah. makes yes. a short film. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not being funny. As a filmmaker, I give him props for that. Yeah, <laughs> short film for proposal. Huge. I'd be like, fantastic. Uh, so yeah, it was a little bit cringy, but bless them. And I think he met up. They met up recently yeah. with another couple. Ashton said, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'll admit my source is like, it's like from 2018, but anytime someone mentions Queer Eye, it pops into my head because it's so <laughs> cute. But yeah, it's William cute. and Tom from the very first episode, because yeah. they're obviously in the same state, they went out for dinner with their respective partners. And it was just so pure. And it was just so nice to see because part of me, like, the issue I have with the catch up yeah. is that it's literally the same day. So you're not really seeing it them. It is the same day, I agree. Yeah. Whereas I think the old Queer Eye episodes, they used to actually give them a space of time and check in and see whether they were still keeping oh, yeah. up with it. So it was kind of nice to see that those guys were on Instagram and it was about a year after their seasons. Yeah. And they were still looking good. They were still taking care of themselves. I'm like, yes, these guys made an impact that lasted. And that's what <laughs> that's I want to believe thing. in. That's the difference. I mean, this is the th- I think this is the thing now with self-care culture is that it's a very, a lot of the time it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem. So it's like, if you're suffering from anxiety, buying a fucking face mask probably is not going to help you out in the long run mm. but you know go ahead if you feel good about yourself kind of thing so i agree i mean i think Mary condo i think they go back like six months later don't they Ooh. yeah I think so. it's, it's some yeah there's it's long it's longer than queer eye for sure yeah hugely but i always laugh when they um when they watch the episode afterwards because you're like you that's filmed back to back you just know it is yeah. <laughs> they're watching all of those back to back um okay and then season two episode four so this is a bit of a controversial episode so this is called sky's the limit and it was about skylar um, a trans man who had just recovered from his top surgery and he wants his new legal identity to reflect his true gender um so the fab five obviously come in they redesign his apartment they throw him a celebration um but there was a lot of issues with this episode I, for me, I found it really fascinating because I, I need to watch more trans media. I need to watch more trans films. I need to watch more trans TV shows. Um, because it it's fascinating because I do always think about that journey after they have the surgery or they make that big change. And it's the whole legal identity. You know, they, they talk in this episode about changing your driving license, changing this, changing that, and how sometimes you can't do that until you've had a certain surgery or certain letter from your doctor or things like that. So it was interesting. However, the second part that a lot of people didn't like was that they spoke too much about the surgery. And I think, Neha, you said you read a bit more about this. Yeah, so I it wasn't something that I considered until I did do some reading. And the way that people, or at least some of the critique about the episode has been that it feels very trans 101 to a lot of people. And this idea that that the uh, there's an overemphasis on that kind of clinical and and it's super invasive obviously it's not something that we should be asking questions about um to any any member of the trans community but there was a lot of conversation about um his um his top surgery and you know it just it came up far too often and i know or at least a lot of people thought it came up came up far too often and it just it doesn't seem to have sat very well okay 
and yeah i i can see i can see what they mean i can see where that critique's coming from frankly i don't remember the episode well enough to to say that i agree or don't don't d- agree or disagree but yeah yeah i don't remember it well but i remember feeling a little bit uncomfortable with how much they actually asked about the surgery because i do remember thinking that you need to move on to something else like it was constant i can't remember the questions but I do remember. I didn't really like that episode too much because I did think it was a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, it was a little yeah. bit invasive, I thought. So, like, we touched upon Skylar being othered by the Fab Five and there were things that were essential to his identity, like his pride-themed decor and his kind of affinity for dressing like a young man that felt like it was being curated and felt like it was being changed. And I'm not sure that I was into that. Yeah, we we spoke about this because we said because obviously when they came in, he had, he had pride flags everywhere, and they kind of wanted to highlight that your sexuality isn't your personality. Mm. And I think that there is a there is a part of that that is understandable. That you know it's it's good to be comfortable with that element of yourself, but also all the other parts of your personality as well. But no, I agree. I think that it's I think for me personally, I think it was probably too soon for Skylar to have this episode. I think that mm. it was a big thing for, for him to go through. And I think to kind of have people come in and completely reinvent you, it was... I don't know, it's a big part, isn't it? Because obviously going through that surgery is a huge element of not reinventing yourself but becoming who you truly are. And then these five people come along and they're like, actually, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It definitely is a strange one. I've definitely reflected on it a lot more since watching the episode. But when I, like Amy said, when I watched it, there were points where I was like, oh, I'm a bit uncomfortable with that bit. Off the Fab Five, not off Skylar at all. Yeah. Okay, another one I liked. This is a bit of a cutesy one. It's not amazing, but I thought it was just a bit cutesy. Um, It's season two, episode seven. It's Bedazzled. So this is about the teenage pianist, um, Sean. Now, don't you remember this guy? He gets like nominated by his godmother Lulu. He he's the guy that wears the blazers with his name embroidered on the back. Oh, I remember <laughs> him. He was so small. He was, he was so small. small. It's um with this one, I kind of I think for me, reflecting back on these episodes, they really do look into social issues that these people have and how a lot of them probably suffer from like acute agoraphobia or something like that, where they don't want to come out of their small bubble and their small space. Um, and I think that this episode in particular kind of it was the the bridge from college uh, high school to college which I think is a very stressful point for many people oh, for sure and yeah I, I don't think I don't think high school prepares people enough for that bridge I mean I know so many friends that went to university in their first week they were like I really don't want to be here I have no idea what I'm doing I don't know anyone why am I here why did I leave my hometown um so I think it was quite nice to bridge that gap for him that not a lot of people get. I mean, Neha and Ashton, you guys went to university. Did you find that in your first few weeks when you went there? For sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it was difficult. Like, I ended up very, I ended up three hours away from home. I picked a university knowing full well I wouldn't know a single soul there. Mm. So I kind of went into that with my eyes open. Okay, that's good. But, yeah, the... It, it was a bit scary because, like you say, you are in the mid. For me, literally in the middle of nowhere. I don't know anyone, but for me, it was really. I had to put a lot of work into myself of framing it as it's a new opportunity, it's a new adventure. Yeah. 
if I get scared, I will not leave this tiny room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there is a certain, there was a good chance. And yeah, it, it does take a lot of confidence and bravery to have to step yourself out. And yeah. I think that's kind of the beauty of that show as well, is that they go, yeah, go do it. Yeah, it's all about confidence building, which I mm. think is quite good. A lot, I quite like it when they have a goal and they're like, right, what do you want to achieve? We're going to help you achieve that. Whereas it's not so much as this is how you should be, mm. which I think what they failed in some other episodes kind of thing. That's what cool. about you, Neha? Where did you go? Were you quite far away from home? So I was, I think, super naive about uni because I grew up in a super multicultural town. Like the running joke throughout school was there were five white people in my high school. You could, it was like... Oh my God. Yeah, it was, and it's, you know, it's tiny and it's self-contained and it's a bubble. And then I moved to Kent um, for three years and I it was just a whole new, like, a whole new playing field, set of rules. Like, I remember someone asking me a question. I think it was, one, well, one of my housemates who was like, oh, there's an Indian guy next door. He's like you. And I was like, actually, no, he's South. <laughs> he's like, he, I was like, he's South Indian. I'm North Indian. And he goes, how can you tell? And that was the first time in my life that I was like, how can I tell? Like, because it's, it's, it's just a given. Like, it just is always a way. So it's like been, it was a, just an entirely different world. But I'm lucky that I found friends. Otherwise, it would have been a shit show. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was Sean. Um, another one I liked, moving on to season three, episode three now, is Joan's Barbecue. Oh, I oh yeah. Yeah, I love that one. So this is um this is one of the most happiest episodes I think, uh, despite the fact that there is a lot of depth to it as well. So we have the owners of Jones Barbecue, which is Deborah and Mary, otherwise known as Little and Shorty. Um <laughs> and the main main part is that they want to help their business because I think they have like a, is it like a like a bunker or something which they yeah it's like a road, roadside shack kind of yeah, yeah. Like they all barbecue business yeah. yeah and obviously they want to improve their self-confidence as well and i mean they have a great business which is bonkers but they want to get their they have this special sauce don't they I, anyone who has a special sauce i admire you so much like mm. i want to be that kind of woman that's like i've got a special sauce so yeah they want to sell their special sauce for manufacturing and sale um but I find it really lovely because one of the storylines is that one of them gets their gold tooth removed and goes to the dentist. And that just incredibly fixes her self-confidence. And you never realise it before, but they talk about how she covers her mouth when she's laughing. And I thought, that's so, so lovely. Um, and obviously they dress them up, but they dress them up and they're quite, they're quite strict about how they're dressed up. They're like, I want to still be able to cook in this. So obviously they don't put them in skirts and dresses and things like that. Mm. They give them things that are actually... And this is why I love Tan France, is that he's a fashionable man and he's stylish, but he's also functional. Mm. Like, you guys, whenever you go on these websites, Boohoo, Pretty Little Thing, ASOS, there's outfits on there and you just think, who is wearing this? Literally, and I don't know if you yes. guys... I've noticed at the moment, a lot of them have started doing this stay-at-home range. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, what did I see the other day? Um, outfits for your Zoom calls. These outfits, who are wearing these outfits? You've got, like, a crop top. Look, honey, I'm not wearing a crop top till next May at this rate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got, like, leopard print leggings, um, it, hoodies. It, it's bonkers, but... It's not functional, which is why I love Tan France, is that he looks at the person, he looks at what they do, and he's like, okay, I'm going to put you in this because it looks great, and also you're going to be able to cook barbecue food. Mm. 
I also think like it sounds weird, but like he he knows style rather than fashion. Like fashion yes. is what comes and goes. It's the leopard prints. It's the tie dyes. He knows style. He's like you can keep this piece for the next twenty years, and it's always going to make you look good. Because yeah. he knows these women are too busy to go shopping. They're not at the mall every five minutes. He goes right. Mm. This skirt. This pair of jeans you can go to a business meeting you can go to dinner and i'm like yes this is this is what people actually need for real change mm, yeah it's stuff that's that they can keep and maintain yeah and it's sustainable as well it's not buying a new outfit every every season because you want to be up with the latest trend even though i am a little bit victim of that to be honest <laughs> but now all i wear is dalmatian print so you know it's not gonna stop but um, he always picks the most simplest things and makes them look amazing. Mm, like, he'll pick a top, jeans and a jacket, and you'll think, oh, but he'll style it, and it, they'll look amazing in it. And you're like, no. how have you done that? It's, it's insane. And then you just look, and you, I start thinking, I'm going to start wearing a French tuck. And, and <laughs> okay, I, realize, I can't actually do a French tuck. I don't understand how this man does it. No, Same. I'd be like, like how you And I just look like I've twisted it or bunched it. And Same. I'm like, I... I don't, Fully I cowboy vibes. It out. Magic. It, it's too much. I need a special special brand of shirt, maybe. But I tried it once and I just looked like I was pregnant. It just yeah. Sense. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on now to another episode of season three. This is probably one of the most popular episodes of all time. It's Black Girl Magic. Um, so this is about Jess, who's a 23-year-old lesbian. And it's such a tragic backstory. I was in tears when oh, my bloody started. Yeah. Um, so... Her adoptive parents kicked her out of her house when she was 16 when they found out she was gay. Um, and she has friends who kind of come and go so that the house she lives in doesn't really have, like, a sense of home about it. So straight away, before we even got started, I was in tears. I was just this poor girl. Um, so what I liked about this episode is that Bobby had more of a influence with this because yeah. he actually sets up a reunion with jess's sister yeah. um and it, it, there's a lot as well sorry i need to talk about this more because I, I just love this episode i think the guys really did a great job with this so obviously bobby sets up this reunion which i think is massive but then jonathan he cuts her hair but then he also kind of helps her plan how she's gonna grow out her natural curls and become more um comfortable with that which obviously is a massive thing within the black female community um for years and years you watch tv shows from the 90s and the early noughties you don't see hardly any black women with naturally curly hair um because it was all this european style that a lot of people i mean even artists like beyonce and rihanna if you look at their hair in the noughties there was not a natural curl inside most of the time and i think this, this was a really great conversation for them to have on the show um and Karamo, they obviously have this fantastic connection, this fantastic conversation. That I can't even... The whole thing just put me in tears, guys. I can't Same. even get into it. Same. It was just such a... It felt like a short film. It was just such a powerful, incredible thing. And then once the episode had aired, people put money together to send her to university. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah. They crowdfunded. So and she's amazing now. She's like on Instagram all the time. She's at events. Well, she was at events before, you know, the world ended. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a really powerful episode. And it was really great to have just, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, agree. I think Bobby had a, lo- a bigger role to play because I think, wasn't he adopted? I think that's mm-hmm. why he connected he with was. her quite strongly. And he was yeah. kicked out of 15 yeah. as well. Yeah, he yeah. went through the same. So I think their chats were quite emotional in that episode because he knew exactly how she was feeling. 
which I thought was really nice. And that's what I like. I like they they don't just keep people in like their lane. They allow people to kind of flow in between what makes them more comfortable and what makes them, you know, more accessible to that person that week. And this is a big boppy. Maybe that's what it's one of my favourites. It's a big mm-hmm. boppy episode because they they all have such great backstories. Like all five of them have incredible backstories. Um, I'm waiting for Bobby's book. I'm waiting. Oh, same. <laughs> I'm waiting. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really lovely episode because you got you just think like to be adopted, to go through that whole process, and then to be rejected by another set of parents. It's just bizarre. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lovely, lovely episode. Uh, coming to the end of my list now, guys. So um, one more was Elrod and Sons. Oh, I was going to say like you want to talk about an episode that made me cry. I was <laughs> welling up this Wait, entire episode. Oh, so Elrod and Sons, yes. Ooh. So Elrod and Son follows Black Girl Magic. So I'd watch Black Girl Magic and I think I put on Twitter, <laughs> just watch Black Girl Magic, really made me cry. And then Neha replied and she was like, wait till Elrod and Sons. <laughs> so I didn't watch it for two weeks. <laughs> Smart. Um, I think that's so the only one that's made me actually sob. Like, it, oh gosh. Really cry. Oh gosh. So Elrod and Sons is about Rob, who's a single father. Uh, he's got two sons, hasn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two sons. Um, and his wife has died two years ago and he's just basically put his life on hold. Um, so he's moved into this new house and he has this housewarming party that he wants to present. Um, and, oh, it's just, it's heartbreaking. There's so many things that they do in this episode to not only help him move on, but to also, like, mem- remember his wife. It's the trunk in the hallway where they mm. have I was just going to say that's the bit that gets me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the unwilling up now. And I thought it was really lovely to kind of... I'm going to start crying, God. I thought it was just really lovely to, like I said, help him move on but still hold on to something in a healthy way. Um, grief's a major topic in this episode. Um, and also for his children too. And to show... Because I think with this episode, it... He has to learn how to make healthier options for the children. He has to learn how to dress his children. He has to learn how to dress himself because not only has he lost his partner in love and in life, he's lost his partner in parenting. Um, and obviously there's a lot of things that your a mother does that a father probably doesn't do. Um, or, you know, in a modern world, they probably do. But just in the traditional sense, this, I mean, my dad, when my mum went to work, my dad used to dress my, me and my sisters in all sorts of crap. We'd, we'd, wear, we'd wear like a pair of tights and a crop top. Like we were walking around looking like goddamn strippers. <laughs> yeah, no idea. So it's, I don't know. But you guys, you guys felt this with this episode too. So was oh, there yeah. anything else in the episode that you kind of just welled up at? I just, I... Th- I mean, I, I agree with you. I've never cried at a piece of furniture as much as I did that chest. Like, it was, <laughs> it was just, uh, I had to take a break. But I think overwhelmingly, the thing that really got me was that Rob Elrod is just such a nice man. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's really mm-hmm. earnest in his efforts and he's just trying to be the best that he can for his sons and for himself and just create this life that, you know, they can all be proud and happy of. And it was just... That, uh, yeah, that's, I think, mm. what really got me. I just thought he was the nicest man. And it couldn't have happened to, to, like, the show itself and that kind of transformation couldn't have happened to someone who wanted it more. Yeah. yeah. I think what got me was the fact that he was always talking about her. She'd passed about a year beforehand. And he was, like, she was always on his mind. And 
as much as I was like, God, that sucks. But I was like, he really loved her. And I'm, I'm a cold cynic half the time. So <laughs> it was, it was just so like rewarding and validating to see this like really good, true love. And it, it sucked that he'd lost that. Like, like you say, universally that just shouldn't have happened to him, but mm. to see him, yeah, pick himself up, keep going, still love her, but be like, she wanted me to move on. I'm doing it. Mm. I'm going to keep her in my memories. But I'm going to keep going, like, oh, it just, yeah, it kills me, that episode. Like, you want to watch it, but you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to, because it's going to hurt. Because I went into it, I was like, I will not cry. I will not cry. And, like, small things started happening. I was like, uh-uh, you haven't got me there. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> and then when they opened up that motherfucking chest. Bobby God. really outed himself with that chest. Yeah. That, mm. Bobby outed it. The house was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I have got to say, that is a way too nice a house to have two young children in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was gorgeous. And that's the thing. Like, I want to see a step-by-step guide. Like, where did you get that plant? Where mm. did you get that side table? Like, I definitely know I cannot afford any of the stuff that you use. But I want to see more of like a... Because all you see is just like a pan of the room. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. So I definitely want to see more of Bobby's. I hope in the new seasons they, they take that. Because I think a lot of people are voiced and they want to see more of Bobby's process. Fingers That's crossed. Oh, well, yeah, but it was it was, very, it was very sad. But he looked good. Oh, yeah. Chan and Jonathan did a great job on him. Yeah. He looked good, bless him. Um, and then my last of my favourite episodes, before we move on to you guys, is episode, season four, episode five, um, Golden Kenny. So this oh, was... This is my favourite oh. episode. Is it your favourite? Yeah. <laughs> this one actually made me cry so much, but go on, I'll let you explain it. Well, oh my god. Like lonely old men and a dog. I mean, obviously <laughs> everyone's gonna cry, aren't they? So you've got Kenny, he is a lonely bachelor and he wants to get his um he wants to find an unconditional love and he also wants to get his home ready for visitors because he's not had any guests in years. Again, touched on that agoraphobia thing. Mm. I do think it's a big issue in the show. He is your typical kind of like old man who kind of sits on his porch isn't he He doesn't really do much he doesn't really get up to much but when they go to that dog pound and oh god i'm actually they go to that dog pound and they start looking at the dogs and you just it's like love at first oh, sight like, yeah. this is the biggest love story on queer eye yeah yeah it, it's just uh, i don't i think it's because it involves a dog and that just Anything involving a dog gets me going straight away. But when he was oh, talking God. about his dog passing away and he still had, like, the dog food in the house because he didn't want to get rid of it, my heart hurts. <laughs> but the it fact that they took him to the pound and they adopted a dog with him and how happy he was, he was, like, crying in the street. I was like, oh, my God. He was. He was like, it reminds me of my dog so much. And I, yes. just, I honestly think, like, sometimes, like, with with Kara, there are moments where I see my old dog in her and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's cosmic. It's like that goddamn film, A Dog's Journey. She's reincarnated. Where is KJ Apa? And I just just that moment just made me feel so and i was literally like this is three episodes i was like he's adopted a dog <laughs> he's found his unconditional love i think uh, it was because you actually got to see how how happy he was in that moment like you physically could see how happy he was that he started crying so much that oh it was it's such a good episode it's so lovely and also for the dog too like that yeah. dog just seems so happy <laughs> Um, and he looks really good at the end of this episode. They style him really well. And yeah. they don't make... Because I think it's hard with an older person. I mean, before, when they first met him, he's got, like, he's got like hair growing out the side of his head. He's wearing, like... What, what, them cargo shorts that, like, guys on set wear. 
every crew member in the UK has these like cargo shorts. Yeah, and I don't know why. There's like seven thousand pockets. They're in the same three colours of beige. It's a bizarre thing. But he's wearing that. He's wearing like a polo top. And then they make him into this really trendy. He's got like, he looks a little bit like Mr. Rogers now I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like a woolly cardigan. He's got his like, you know, strappy shirt, funky glasses. But it was just a really heartwarming episode. And it was just really lovely to know that even this guy had got to this age and he'd kind of given up a little bit on himself and his life, even after losing his dog. And they just kind of, there was such a positive reinforcement in his life and that, that, that's really what the show is all about I think yeah I think they really really helped him like just again I know we talked about the last one with the, his wife but this was he was mourning his dog mm. like just as much as the Elrod was um mourning his wife so I think that yeah that just it just made him happy again and I think that's I love the show for doing that hugely I mean a dog is such a big part of people's especially like when they get older i mean there's an old guy who lives in our street and he has this dog and i didn't realize that he lived alone with the dog and i just it just warms my heart but then i started thinking what if something happens to a dog or what if something happens to him like you can't just only have each other so now i feel personally responsible for both of them it's very stressful time (laughs) dear god um so obviously that they're my favourite episodes. Um, I didn't watch the Japanese season. I watched one episode and I just couldn't really get into it. I don't know whether that's because it just... And I'm not a person that can't understand subtitles. Like I'll sit all day and watch every single South Korean film under the sun. But I just couldn't, I just couldn't get into it. But I think you guys, you said the same thing, didn't you? About you just couldn't really vibe with that, that show. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was I think it was part of the subtitles. But like you say, I don't mind reading them, but I just didn't like you say it's an easy watch queer eye. You don't want to sit and have to be really like I mean you want to be invested, but yeah, it's it's an easy watch in the background. You don't want to have to sit there and be like reading everything while you're trying to watch what they're doing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me it was just I I felt like they'd taken ideals of what it was to be what well what it's to be anything in the west and just t- try to like superimpose them onto the japanese culture in a way that i think kind of promoted a, a cultural insensitivity and i wasn't too happy with it like i i think specifically and i can't remember whether it's episode two or episode three but there's um one specific episode where they're trying to reinvent this girl who's uh, i think she's a manga artist and you know they're like oh she's very quiet and you know she doesn't have such an open and loving relationship with her mother and there's this and that's like firstly a very asian thing like asian well when i say asian i don't mean sort of like homogeneously but we don't often go around telling people telling our parents that we love them like it's just the way that we exist and that doesn't mean that we love them any less but there's a scene when anthony says um you know you should tell someone if they're special to you or something and i'm like but you've misunderstood that that just might not be the way they communicate and they're just like okay. nuances and sort of things that just exist in a way that I'm like, it It feels very much like we're looking at them through that lens of the other. Mm. So I wasn't... When you said that, actually, I remember that episode now. Yeah. And I remember feeling very uncomfortable during that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I'm white. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to pretend I get it because I'm not... I don't. It was weird. But it felt very... It felt like he was pushing a bit too hard. And like you say, it's like, look, if that's not their relationship, you've got to respect that. Like, there are ways you can show your appreciation. Mm. 
maybe tell her to sh- find a way to appreciate it. Don't force her into that sort of quite direct way of going about things that yeah, yeah. might be quite tone deaf. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope if they do another one, they're a little more aware of... I'd like to think they listen to the criticism of the show, and I think a lot of people had that to say, especially since... Was it Kiko, the girl that they um, chose to be their guide? I think a lot of mm. people talked about her, too, and said, well, why is she a cisgendered woman? Like, like there was a lot that felt not great about it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it didn't feel great. Yeah, no, I I, got, I completely get that, and I mean, like we, like we like we said, there are some episodes that are controversial and have had um, controversial reactions. I mean, you said yourself, Nehal, in the very first season, mm. um, and even Tan France and Karama Brown both said they didn't like this. But yeah, tell us about this point in this the first season, which was just very weird and just did not yeah it's it's not good no it didn't i can't remember if it was episode three or episode four but it was the one about the um the police officer and it starts off with that kind of like false police stop and it just felt like a really trivial way to portray police violence and the treatment of black men particularly black men in america like all of your anxiety and dread about potentially being profiled and victimized was just a prank and i just even that conversation that karamo has with the police officer i think created some sort of it also almost felt like a false equivalency because the way the police officers would or that police officer whose name i don't remember was talking about how he felt misunderstood and black men also felt misunderstood like it it isn't a case of just being misunderstood though because one group is highly privileged and protected by those with institutional power and the other group is being brutalized and shot down in the streets like it's a very real thing it's not just like a basic misunderstanding that you can hash out in five minutes and move on yeah and it it just it again just felt really tone deaf and Karamo Brown was driving the car at the time and Tan yeah. France actually said he almost quit the show after they did because they didn't tell them it was happening oh um yeah, they did, yeah, it was not planned. They didn't tell them it was happening. Um, so you could just imagine the fear going through both of them when that was going on. As much as they had cameras in the car, that's, you know, they're still who they are in that car alone. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it sounds, it's so, thinking back now, it, it's, even for two years ago, it was not good. Not that it would ever be good, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels very out of touch. But I think they've learned a lot from the first season. So. I think even Karamo himself said that he doesn't like how he is in the first season. Interesting. Mm, that is. Um, but yeah, obviously there's been quite a few controversies as well. Do you remember the episode where they go and visit Jonathan's... Um, oh, I've got a name now. Oh, it the music teacher. The music teacher, yeah. Mm. Um, and they have the cheerleaders there and it's all a big thing. Um the the students featured in that episode that's only about half of them because the rest of the students parents disallowed them to be involved and also asked the local pastor to condemn the filming because they weren't happy with the gay community um being there and the homosexual oh lifestyle should have been condemned by god um they actually oh wrote god, a letter um to the local paper which is actually owned by jonathan's family so he was <laughs> bound to see it um but yeah, his mother actually printed the letters. Basically, it's a sign to say how ridiculous you are. Mm. But that's a bit of a disservice, actually, not to mention that. Like, 
considering, like we are saying, season one was quite tone deaf, I think they tried to be controversial for controversial sake. To be and like, the ratings, We're going to force these conversations. Yeah. Why didn't they do that in this latest series? Be like, you know what, I'm from this town, I've made this town big, and half of them still hate me. Like, that would I would have liked to have known that. Mm. Because I don't know anything about small town America. I, I thought they were all cool with it. I thought it was hometown hero. Like, it's shocking that that happened. Yeah, and no, I agree. I wish that had been a conversation. I mean, it probably would have been horrible for him to have, and, you know, you wouldn't want him to have it, but how else is it going to occur if someone doesn't actually say something, if that makes sense? I think a lot of the time some TV shows, reality TV shows, like to live in the air of reality TV lands. They won't mention things that happen outside. Um, but, yeah, reality TV likes to live in that land. Like, you're, you won't watch Love Island and no one will say, oh during the last season of Love Island so they like to suspend the disbelief um, but yeah I mean Queer Eye is a show ahead of its time it should be having these kind of conversations I think were there any other episodes that you guys wanted to talk about? Yeah I mean I'm gonna just continue the religious one and pray. it's probably controversial but I really like season 2 episode 1 same okay. Tammy that, okay good yeah. thank you <laughs> where they go to the town of gay and I love that because she is She's fully Christian as they come, but she is so warm and so understanding. But she also accepts her faults because her son is gay. And she did say she turned him away. She condemned him. And, you know, she she had to go through a lot, but she realised she was wrong. Mm. And she realises that God loves everyone. And I liked that episode because you could see that Christianity and the LGBT community can tenuously join it wasn't it wasn't strong but like again it was a very bobby centric episode yeah. because his religious parents kicked him out he couldn't even enter the church and it was just yeah that was another episode that had me welling up because at the end she approaches all of them and sort of tells them how much she appreciates them and what they kind of give to the world and it was it's like very oh. tearful it's a very wholesome one yeah but again the christianity thing is is difficult probably half the town didn't show up again but i wouldn't know mm they didn't talk about it Mm -mm. yeah yeah no it's definitely one of my favorites too and I think it's because that I mean I like agree with everything that you said and I'd add that I like that we get to see because we all know that the fab five being who they are have had difficult times like it's not they don't talk about it often and it's not something that's ever really at the forefront of the show but I feel like for the first time that I remember we got to see some and I'm not saying that I want to see pain but Mm. we got a little window into who all the sort of things that happened to Bobby because you know he didn't want to go he didn't walk into that church he I think that's what's hard sometimes is that we we got given this show we didn't actually get a lot of background on who the Fab Five were Mm. I mean before this show I don't think apart from Karamo being on um, the Oprah network and obviously the reality TV show back in the 90s that we didn't really know who they were so I think at first it probably was difficult to kind of market so I think we should have had like like you said a bit more background because yeah. I mean through the you get little bits and pieces like you know that Anthony had an addiction problem you know that Bobby was kicked out by his adoptive parents you know that Karama had a drug problem like there's all these little bits and pieces but we need to we need you know yeah we shouldn't have to read the book to know what's going because even though it's reality tv they are still tv characters yeah and it's a tough one too because you obviously don't want to put the fab five in a position where they always have to be reliving or talking about their trauma and i think that's probably why it doesn't feature as much and i'm happy for it not to Mm. but 
that episode stands out to me just because we get a little kind of you get to know Bobby a little or you get to understand a struggle because I live in my straight privilege it's not a struggle that I will understand and it's just it it just I thought I found really useful Mm. yeah no I agree I think it's a good point what other episodes did you have Ashton um I had Elrod and Sons because yeah same (laughs) I'm just trying to think of the other ones but I think actually the very first one I actually love just I know that is like an obvious one but that's like that whole yeah like he just comes out and goes you can't fix ugly and they're like okay no, and from <laughs> then on, they're just wrecking balling all his misconceptions. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it was a great way to set it up. I think with him as well was it something that it's, it's kind of become like a common theme now of like self deprecating jokes. It's like Chandler Bing, mm. like if you make fun of yourself first, then you beat everyone else to the punch. But in this episode, it was weird because I kind of watched it and I thought. God, that's really like annoying. Like how often he's doing it. Like, is that how I sound? Is that how other people sound? And like you say, it was good that they kind of got him out of that slump. Off. Well, there's so many other elements just to, you know, it's like at the moment with quarantine. There's a lot of people like making comments about like their weight gain and things like that. There's so many other elements to your life right now other than your weight. Like there's so many other things to be proud of. The fact you're waking up every morning. The fact you're still going to work if you're still at work. The fact that you're, you know, trying new things despite being fucking terrified. Like Mm. there's so many other elements. And I think this is one of those episodes that focuses on that. That you're a whole package. You're not just one thing in life. You're not just your looks. You're not just your brain. You're not just your humour. You're not just your talent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah and i love that because it was he's such like a big like masculine man and he's ordering margaritas redneck margaritas it looked like shit i mean bless him but it looked terrible <laughs> it looked, that i would not want to see his shit after that drink was it green yeah yeah it was, it was mountain like gatorade wasn't it oh mountain dew that was it mountain <laughs> dew <laughs> what a guy with his burrito oh, and his abby Oh, it was such a transformation of confidence as well. Like, I think that was one of the episodes that sticks out for me as, like, the power of confidence. Because he actually got his old former flame back. Yeah. And he, and the we, reason he won her back was because he just... He was so proud of himself that he had the confidence to be like, I'm actually... I'm worthy of you. You're worthy of me. Like... It, it was just such a incredible thing to see you were like oh wow you know actually a little bit of confidence goes a huge way yeah. we're still like the old lot like, we used to have shows over here where like do you remember that show 10 years younger yeah they'd, they'd basically like, remodel a woman's entire fucking face like she'd get a nose job and an acid what? pill and a li- do you not remember mm. that show i wasn't years allowed younger. to watch it or what was it got one how to look good naked oh yeah like, that one oh. i remember They've had literal <laughs> surgery done. And with this show, it's not saying you need to have, you know, liposuction or a nose job or this. Like, you just need to dress better for yourself. You don't need to dress like the magazines. Like you said, Tan France doesn't dress them fashionable. He dresses them... I don't know. Did you say that or have I got that mixed up? Yeah, I said I, I said stylish <laughs> rather than fashionable it. because stylish I think style, style, never, style never goes away. It That's yeah. the timeless element of it. 
And I think with, with this guy, like Tom probably looked at himself and thought, just thought, oh no, there's too much to do, rather than just starting with something small and building it, building up kind of thing. And obviously a lot of that comes from self-confidence as well, which is mm. what Karamo is there to work with too, um, which, is, which is always nice. Um, Neha, what episodes did you want to talk about? That, that Ash, me and Ashton have the same favorite episode. You are so weird, ah, you two. Yeah. You do this every like we time we do a podcast. Same, ev- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Those are my <laughs> faves, and I loved. We, we've talked about them, but um, I loved the episode about Jess, Elrod and Sons. Season three was very strong. Yeah, mm. very strong. I think it might have been in the best season three. Amy, did you have any any episodes you wanted to mention? You've mentioned them all. Wow. I think Kenny Kenny's my favourite and then I like the Elwood dog. and Sons and Tom hmm. and Tom bless him what about you oh wait you've done yours <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not here for like the first hour <laughs> um, Queer Eyes coming back I think it's in June oh or is it oh cool yeah we, awesome. we could we could do with it now actually yeah uh does it, yeah so it was it's been renewed so we've had four seasons we're getting two more seasons and i think the next one is coming out this summer nice okay so they've probably filmed it so yeah we should be on track i think they filmed two at a time oh ah. yeah that makes sense yeah but i mean the, the thing is that they they go to like a different state every season don't they so the, oh no they don't no, the first two were in one state and then the next two were in another, I think. So the first season, the first two seasons were in Georgia. Oh, shout out to Courtney. Um, the third season was in Missouri and Kansas. And the fourth season was in Missouri and Kansas, yeah. Oh, interesting. They need to come to the UK. Could you imagine them in the UK? It'd be hilarious. Could you imagine Karamo Brown trying to talk to a chav? <laughs> I would, I would genuinely love that because it is sorely needed. Or like Karama Brown talking to like a Yorkshire farmer. <laughs> like, sorry, what are you saying? <laughs> it's so funny. Take Tam back to Birmingham and just see how he survives now. Oh, God. <laughs> I just he's been in see, America a while. Yeah. I just love to see Bobby Brown like carting up all this fancy furniture up like a big staircase in North London, or just, <laughs> just or just trying to find his way around an IKEA. Because yeah. <laughs> That's not for the faint of heart. No. I wonder if they're going to have a new dog in the new series because Bruley died, didn't he? Oh, he did. did. That was really sad. Sorry, that was really like depressing. No. Thank you, thank you, (laughs) Throwing a dead dog on the epilogue. Yeah, I very like that. (laughs) No, it's true. I tell you what, another dog died though that really broke my heart was um, Cheddar in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Stop it! What? Yeah, he died. At, well, I think it was early this year, but I'm, I, mm. I was watching the recent season. And I can't remember if I saw him or not, so I don't know if they've replaced him. Oh yeah, it's 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 actually kind of cute. It's actually his sister, the dog's oh. sister now plays Cheddar. So that was oh, like my silver lining to that. That's so lovely. I don't know if you watch it as well, but Modern Family. Stella died just after they finished filming the last ever episode. Oh my! This is so sad. Why did we end on this note? Note to self, don't write a dog into a TV show. No. It's too sad. I just couldn't, just couldn't, couldn't deal with it. Yes. Um, that's all for this week, guys. It was nice to kind of um, reflect back on Queer Eye. I might have to, have to watch them, some of the episodes again. Mm, so yeah, yeah, I need a rewatch, I think. It's, I think it's like a very... I don't know why it's not being discussed more, actually, in quarantine. Because for me, like, when I pick a couple of words to describe it, it's wholesome and heartwarming. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, there's no... There's no 
bad episodes. There's no bad feelings. Like no, no, you perfect. get episodes that are like a bit not boring, but like a little mm. bit like oh yeah, hit and miss. My, but my friend has literally just started watching it. She texted me oh. two days ago saying she's started the first ever series. She's like, I've never watched it before. Oh, I was like, what, what do you think of like the Fab Five? And at the minute, she was like, I don't like Anthony. He doesn't do very much. <laughs> he really doesn't. But she said, I love Jonathan and I love Bobby. They're my favourites. So I was like, mm, interesting. But she okay. ha- did say she's cried at every single episode so far. So. <laughs> if, if I'd known this was going to happen, I would have saved so many TV shows to watch. <laughs> Could you imagine like having like a stack of quality TV shows to watch? And I know rewatching is fun, but like watching it for the first time. Like, yeah. Gosh. So I would have done that. Um, but yeah. Um, thank you so much, guys. It was lovely to see all your lovely faces. Yeah, it's always fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice. Very smiley. Um, I'm going to go and carry on watching I Have Never Now because I've got five episodes left to go. Nice. I'm going to go and watch The Office. Very good show. What are you going to watch, Ashton? Uh, I don't want to say rewatching Queer Eye, but. <laughs> <laughs> She's so on brand. <laughs> Neha, what are you going to watch next? The Americans. I've started it. So, I mean, yeah. I am halfway through season one, having the best time of my life. Oh my yeah. god. Not to sound like Janice, but wow. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll see you soon, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.